shoulders. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. 
His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. So glad that you're here this morning, and if you're watching online, we just say hello to you as well. It is a good day in the house of God, amen, to be with God's family and His people. Father, we're so grateful and thankful for your goodness. We give you the glory and the praise and the honor. There is no one like you, Lord, and we have the privilege of knowing you and worshiping you and dwelling in your presence, and we thank you that you're here this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Amen. Let's stand together this morning. I'm gonna dance and praise it. It doesn't matter what comes my way. The greater one lives inside of me. His name is Jesus. I'm born a winner. More than victory. 
There's no one as worthy as you, Lord. You are worthy of our worship. You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our love. You are worthy of our adoration. Lord, you are worthy. Oh, we lift up the name of Jesus, the Son of God, the sacrificial lamb, the Savior of the world, King of kings, Lord of lords. We bless you. We praise you. We magnify you. Thank you, Lord, for doing what you did. You gave your life as a sacrifice for us. You took our sins upon you. And you redeemed us from sin's dominion. Blessed be your name forevermore. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, glory to God. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, we thank you for being here in our midst and for speaking to us. There's a sound in the earth that is springing forth. It's the sound of joy. It's the sound of peace. And in that sound, you will find your release and you will be set free. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, you may have your seats. Hallelujah. We're glad that you're here this morning. And uh, we like to celebrate communion the second Sunday of every month. And so we're going to have communion today. There's a lot of good things in store today. Amen. Hallelujah. How many of you like benefits? Well, you know, as an heir of a divine inheritance, we have benefits. And today I just want to remind you some of the benefits of the blood. Hallelujah. There are benefits that God has provided for us in his blood through his son. And we as beneficiaries, you know, a beneficiary receives benefits. See, I'm a beneficiary. So we can accept what he's already done. Hallelujah, by faith, and then we walk it out in our life. 
You know, the blood, we can have faith in the blood because it demonstrates God's justice and righteousness. His blood demonstrates sin needed to be paid for. And God's plan was for pure blood to pay for that sin. Jesus committed no sin. His blood was pure. Amen? And his blood demonstrates God's justice and righteousness. By his blood, we are forgiven of sins according to the riches of God's grace. Say, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. Hallelujah. Ephesians 1, 7 says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness and complete pardon of our sins. Hallelujah. The complete pardon. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. In his blood, we have peace and reconciliation. You know what it means to reconcile? It means your books are good and your balance, right? You ever reconcile your checkbook? Hallelujah. And it's balance. Colossians 120 or 119 says, It pleased the Father for all the fullness to dwell in him. And through the Son, he reconciles all things to himself, making peace through the blood of his cross. God made peace with you and him through the blood of the cross. Amen? Every curse that came on the earth... <clears throat> Jesus broke by his blood. Hallelujah. Glory to God. His blood cleanses us from, a, a, cleanses our conscience from dead works and helps us serve God. You know, you need a clean conscience to serve God. You need to be God inside minded more than you are uh, sin conscious. Amen. If God can forget your sins, so can you. Hallelujah. Say, my sins, my mistakes, my faults are under the blood, and they can't be seen anymore. Hallelujah. Yep, Hebrews 9.14 says, how much more will the blood of Christ, through the eternal spirit, willingly offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works and lifeless observances to serve the ever-living God. Say, I'm free to serve. serve. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Um, His blood gives us confidence to enter his holy presence. Whoo, what a benefit. The Lord's saying, come on in. My door is always open to you. Hebrews 10, 19 says, Therefore, believers, since we have confidence... And full freedom to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by this new and living way, which he initiated. And he opened up for us through the veil that is his flesh. And we have a great and wonderful high priest over the house of God. Let us approach God with a true heart and sincere faith. Hallelujah, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Another benefit of his blood, his blood prevents death from harming you. Didn't say you're going to die, just says death's not going to harm you. Amen? 
Because when a believer dies, you step into glory. You leave your body and say, that was it. Right? The minute you die, you are with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Hebrews 11.28 says, By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, if the enemy shows up at your door and he sees the blood, he says, sorry, you can't get in that house. Amen. See, I'm covered by the blood. Hallelujah. His blood sanctifies you and sets you apart. Say, I'm, 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 dis, I'm different. Hebrews 13, 12 says, Therefore also uh, suffered, Jesus suffered and died outside the gate that he might sanctify and set apart for God as holy the people through his own blood. Say, I've been made holy. You are as holy as Jesus is. Hallelujah. Think about that. You are as holy as Jesus is. Why? He washed you with his blood. Scrub-a-dub-dub, you've been cleansed by the blood. Hallelujah. All right, I'll give you one more. I could go on, but... His blood contains life. Hallelujah. Hebrews 13.20 says, Now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood that sealed and ratified the eternal covenant, equip you with every good thing to carry out his will and strengthen you, accomplishing in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, you can go get your elements and uh, we'll celebrate Communion, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God is so good. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And as you take communion, take it by faith. You just say in your heart, I'm receiving all the benefits that God has given to me in this communion. Because this really is the picture of, of all that Jesus did for us. And he told us to do this as often as we want. You know, you could take communion in your home. We do it just once a month here, but... You're not limited to the amount of time you could take it or where you could do it or how you could do it. Amen. But you just honor the Lord and uh, he'll honor you. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and he blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take eat. This is my body. Let us eat.
And he took the cup and he gave thanks. Wow. Knowing that that's representing the blood that he was about to shed. And he's giving thanks. He's giving thanks. He took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to them saying, drink all of it for this is my blood of the New Testament which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Let us drink. Hallelujah. And let's celebrate what has been accomplished for us. Father, we praise you. We thank you for shedding your blood, offering your life as a sacrifice. We bless your holy and wonderful name. And we give you glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now we're going to make our confession of entering into God's rest. Amen. Let's make our confession. Jesus, Jesus is, is Lord, Lord and Master, and, and we, we are, are always learning, learning about him. him. His ways and his kingdom. We willingly and faithfully come to Jesus to find rest for our souls. The Lord's yoke is easy and his burden is light. We do his will because it is our delight. His gentleness and humility give us great peace and security. We choose to dwell in the shelter of the Most High. And we remain secure and at rest in the Almighty shadow. He alone is our refuge, our fortress, our God in whom we trust. The Lord has rescued our life from death. He bountifully blesses us and is always good to us. Therefore, we rest in him. Because God's peace is with us and in us, we do not worry and we cast all our cares on him. We are confident in Christ and enter into his divine rest by faith. The Lord freely offers his rest to all of us, and we receive it because we believe it. God's rest refreshes our souls. We are God's people, and there remains a Sabbath rest for us today. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance, to proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. Good morning. Good to see each one of you here today. This week at Victory, we have Tuesday, this generation for our middle school students at 125. Tuesday evening for our youth ages 12 and up, we have New Generation Air Force. That's from 6 to 8 p.m. Wednesday night refreshing at 6.30. That's for all ages. Thursday between 12.30 and about 2.30 or 3 is Bible Adventure, and that's for 3rd, 4th, and 5th grade students. 
at Northside and Forge. And then Friday is Woven for our women. That starts at 6 o'clock. And we'll be, I think, completing the series that we started with Dr. Fiona and her coaching for our life purpose. And then Saturday for the women that signed up a while ago, we are having a Christmas tea. So just a reminder to the women who have already purchased tickets, this event is sold out, but a reminder that is happening this Saturday. And we will be um, going to Lidditz for that celebration. And ladies, if you want to wear a hat to that occasion, you are welcome. Any style of hat, express yourself. Okay. And then um, next, well, I don't know. I shouldn't say next. I don't really know the date that we're on. I just know we're in December. (laughs) I am going to say this way. Candlelight service for Christmas celebration at Victor Christian Fellowship is on Wednesday, December 21st. That way we know what day. December 21st, that is at 6.30 p.m., And we will be celebrating Christmas as a Victory Christian Fellowship family during that service. There will be no service held on Christmas Day, Sunday, December 25th. Those who are still shopping, we have the Shopify store online. Go to to vcfpa.org and you follow the prompts for Shopify. Or you could come right here and shop in person at our bookstore. And then as you are considering your gift-giving opportunities this year, Victory Christian Fellowship is grateful for the two new ovens we purchased. We are still having projects for the vent, kitchen vent. I guess it's an exhaust fan vent or something like that. A new refrigerator and stage lights. And then, least but not um, last but not least, I'll get this right. (laughs) Abby's already laughing at me before I even. (laughs) Last but not least, she's our English teacher. She keeps us on track. Okay, last but not least is pastor appreciation. We are sending our pastors on a celebration of 20 years as pastors of Victory Christian Fellowship and 25 years of marriage and let's join Josiah and clapping for them. Woohoo! <laughs> All right, praise God and the Lord bless you. I want to do something new. That's me. I'm the person that does something new. Now here's the thing. I did not ask a person before service if I could do this. So I'm just going to call somebody randomly. But don't be scared to come to church <laughs> because you don't want me to call you randomly, okay? <laughs> so I need my phone for this. I'm going to set a timer for five minutes. And I'm going to show you something and give an opportunity Everybody wants to know what it is now, right? <laughs> uh, so I, I think I'm going to call Mr. Dennis. Mr. Dennis, can you come up here? 
<laughs> Dennis has no idea what I'm about to do. <laughs> but he's my pal, so he'll go with me on this one. <laughs> All right. So, Dennis, the reason you're up here. <laughs> I'm going to show you guys how easy it is for you to witness. Right? So, Mr. Dennis had no idea. You did, I didn't talk to you about Yep, yep, you can see it all over his face. But isn't this how it'll happen? You're out and about, and an opportunity will pop up, but nobody, get, you know. So prepare yourself every day. Just stay in a, in a prepared mode to share your faith with somebody. Amen? So I'm going to start the timer for five minutes, Then is That's all we got is five minutes. Actually, it's telling me one hour and five minutes. We'll switch that to just five minutes. <laughs> Five minutes, and I'm going to ask you questions about your salvation experience, and just, that's all I'm going to ask you. So, when did you rededicate your life to the Lord? Because I know you were saved, and then you kind of backslid, right? Didn't you? Yeah, I did. So, tell me about your rededication. Oh, you know me such. You don't remember me? No. When did you come to know the Lord? Like, what's your time that you think of? Uh, several years ago, before I went to prison. Mm-hmm. And I was really down in dumps, and I didn't know what to do. I was going to commit suicide. And next thing I woke up, and there was a preacher on TV, and that kind of, like, saved me. You see this? So here Mr. Dennis was going to commit suicide, and he woke up, and a preacher's on TV. And what did did you receive salvation right then? I believe, I guess, yeah. because it changed. Yeah. And what did you do after that? Went to jail. <laughs> so you were on your way to go to jail. Okay. Well, after you came out, what happened? Well, before, while I was in jail and stuff, then I got out and I went to a discipleship program in Lebanon. Okay. I went through that for six months. Then I got out of there. Then I backslid again. What do you think caused you to backslide? After you were in a program where you're being discipled, what? Ha- where did you go? The flesh. Okay. Did you get any? Did you know where to go after you came out of there? Well, I didn't really. Then I ran into people I knew and to try to help them, and, it, and that's how I got back into sin again. Because you went back to the old crowd. That's the people that you were familiar with. So what happened then to bring you here? Well, then I was going with my parents, and I kept coming by the church, and they just said. Kept drawing me here, kept drawing me here, and finally I came here. And you came here. I remember that day when you came here. <laughs> uh, so you came here first. You were attending with your son. Jeremiah. Yeah. And what happened during that time that you were attending? What happened during that time that you were attending? <laughs> I rededicated to the Lord. And then that's when I met Michelle. If you're talking to me on the street and I'm like, I want to change my life, I think I'm going to go kill myself, what are you going to tell me? Pray. What do I pray? Pray the Lord come into your life and open your eyes and see the different things. And then what would be the next step? Because what you're telling me is for you, you didn't have, um, you went back to your old friends. So what would you advise somebody that's now coming in after? After your old friends, you've got to have new friends, people in Christ. Where would you suggest they go find new friends? In church. 
would you invite them here? Yes. Why? For the salvation. Yeah. You can rededicate your life and be a new person in Jesus Christ. So what happened to your life after you started walking that way? Got better, and then I keep, then I slid a couple more times. You're just on the slip and slide. <laughs> That's what it seems like, but, but I didn't give up. The key that's a key not to give up right struggle a lot of times but the key is to not give up so where's the best place to be so you don't give up in church there you go <laughs> come regular to church <laughs> i get picked on by the pastor no, but that's good because that's what i need sometimes see you didn't know god was gonna call you up here today I did not <laughs> So, um, for who do you think would be someone that would come to you and ask for help? What kind of people do you think would that you? Well, let me ask you this way: What types of people do you think you would feel comfortable helping? People that had drugs, addictions, and stuff like that. Okay. Do you think? Relate to them more, I guess. Right. And what would you say to them? Come and dedicate your life to Jesus and. Start there. Amen. Thank you very much. Look at that. We still got 28 seconds. Thank you, Dennis. <laughs> Four minutes and 28 seconds for Mr. Dennis to tell his story. Mind you, I asked questions, but now Dennis is going to think about his salvation experience of what he would say if he was stopped in the middle of the road. My point is, it's that simple for us to share our faith with someone. If we see somebody out there having a hard time or they look like they're having a hard time, just go up and say, hi, how are you? Looks like maybe I can give you a handshake or a hug or whatever, anything I can help with. And then if, if, the, if the occasion arises, you have a story to tell. Amen? You don't have to talk about your perfection and how great it's been and all this. It's just simply that you came in contact with Jesus and your life is better now than it was before and you're still working things out if that's where you are. Amen? But the devil makes everybody think that they have to be perfect before they can tell a story and that's a lie from hell. <laughs> Amen? You're working out your salvation. You're walking in the things of God. You're still learning things. We're all still learning things. Yes, there's a point where you could reach perfection, but if you aren't there yet, you're getting there. Amen? Because Jesus Jesus had that point, and he, the Bible tells us that we should be perfected. So there, that means we could be, right? But it doesn't mean that you have to be perfect to witness. Amen? And uh, so did that help you? Yeah? Now, I'm not going to just blindly call somebody unless I know you and you don't have a problem, right? I picked on Dennis today, but he was a perfect candidate. <laughs> And uh, but maybe I'll ask you before service or something or the week before, just in case you decide to come late. So I don't ask you um, <laughs> if you would like to participate. But before I ask you, if you would like to, you just come tell me and we can work it out. Amen. Did that help? Would that be good to do for services so you can? And this is a good way to learn about each other, isn't it? And by the way, Dennis, now your your testimony just went out to the world. And somebody will hear it, and their lives will be changed because you testified. Amen.
You know, you have been given power to witness. And uh, it's something that we all can do. And so we just want to encourage you in this. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you know, anytime that we gather, there's an opportunity to invest in the kingdom of God. And I would encourage you, um, if you have kids, to teach them to invest. Amen. Um, Josiah and Gabriel, they have been tithing ever since they've had money. And uh, he gets a giving statement every year of what he's given. And uh, it's a good thing. So, um, you know, encourage your kids to do that, uh, but do that by example as well. You know, God never asks you for what you don't have. He always asks you for what you have. And it takes faith to release it to him. But when you do, he promises to bless you. He, uh, any money that comes through your hand, you know, 10% of that, that's God's. That's called the tithe. That's something that doesn't even belong to us. It can't go for our clothes or our entertainment or insurance or anything like that. That is God's. And then anything beyond that is called an offering. And uh, that's really where you get, get over into the extravagant receiving. Hallelujah. And uh, here at VCF, you can give any time during the service. We have a container there. And as you come in, if you're watching online, you can give. Uh, go to our website, and uh, you can sow your seed that way. Amen. Heavenly Father, I pronounce a blessing over all the givers and their gifts. And Lord, we just receive them unto you. And I thank you, Lord, that you in return bless them abundantly with provision protection, and prosperity. And Lord, give them peace that passes understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. All right, kids life. We got some awesome kids in this house today, amen. We're going to dismiss you to go to your class, kids. Have a good time. Glory to God. All right. Today we're going to start the Christmas story of Jesus. And we're just going to go through the story. And it's something that I've never done before. But uh, I felt led to do it this time. We're just going to bring out some things of this story, amen, and uh, we're going to gain some greater insight and understanding of uh, what Jesus did for us in being born. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to go with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, and uh, we're going to begin there in verse 11, hallelujah, I'm I'm sorry, uh, verse... uh, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zechariah of the course of Abijah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So here we have a couple, and Zechariah is a priest of God. He is of the lineage of the priests. And uh, his his wife was also of the lineage of Aaron, who was the first priest. 
And they were both righteous before God, walking in the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Say they were righteous. They were blameless. And they had no child. Because Elizabeth was barren, and they both were well stricken in years. Say well stricken in years. That that means they were advanced in years. They weren't a spring chicken. Right? And this couple was righteous, and they were serving God in what God had called them, but they had no child. Now, in that day... To not have a child, it brought scorn, criticism, and reproach. And here these people who are righteous, serving God, they're dealing with this. Now, this has not stopped them from serving God. They didn't quit serving God because God didn't give them what they were expecting. All right. And uh, it came to pass, verse 8, that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, different priests were assigned to different things. Okay, he wasn't the high priest who went into the Holy of Holies and offered sacrifice on the Day of Atonement. He was a priest who lit the incense. Okay, so from a Sabbath to a Sabbath, from a Saturday to a Saturday, he would go in to the temple and he would light the incense uh, that was uh, in the holy place, right? And uh, that was his job, okay? So he is, he is there and he is serving in the priest's office. You know, he wouldn't do this all year long. They would have times throughout the year when the priest would be assigned to their post, Okay? Verse 9, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense. Now, what do we know about incense? Incense is like prayer. The Bible says that prayers ascend to the throne of God like incense rises up. Okay? And uh, while, and the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. Okay, so in the temple there was an outer courtyard where the people would gather, right? That's where um, they would, uh, you know, get the lambs. And they were out in this courtyard and they were praying while he was burning the incense in the holy place. Okay? Now it gets interesting. Verse 11, And there appeared unto him an angel... Of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Everybody say an angel. Angels are real. God uses angels, right? Uh, They are created beings. They are different than us, all right? They were not created in the image of God as we were, okay? But they are real. They do exist and they do have functions, okay? So God employed angels in communicating his uh, message regarding Jesus' birth. 
They were very active and present in the Christmas story. An angel appeared to Zechariah. An angel appeared to Mary. An angel appeared to Joseph. All right? An angel appeared to the shepherds. They were very active. They had uh, lots of roles to do. All right? Why don't you go to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Glory to God. And let's look at verse 7. Hebrews 1, 7. And of the angels, he said, who makes his angels spirits and ministers a flame of fire. So angels are ministers. In other words, a minister is someone who serves. And they serve God by doing what God asks of them. Okay? All right, go to verse 14. Same chapter, verse 14. Are they not, well, let's look at verse 13. But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit at my, on my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? How many heirs of salvation do we have here today? All right. Did you know that angels have been assigned to help you? They are assigned to serve heirs of uh, the Lord, heirs of salvation, right? So say, angels help me. Okay? Now, we know from the Bible, uh, angels fight. You know, Michael, he's a fighter. He's a warrior. Um, angels can avenge. Right? They can bring out, they can bring judgment. There was one angel in the Old Testament that killed 180,000 people. Okay? Um, angels, uh, they can communicate, uh, they can help, and they can serve, and they can sing too. Amen? And uh, they travel with lightning speed, and they can show up suddenly, and they speak. You know, if you, if you were to see an angel and hear an angel, he'd probably have something to say to you. Okay? All right? Um, you know, Daniel encountered angels and uh, different people in the Bible. Go to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. You know, angels are a very important part of the Christmas story. Psalm 103 and verse 20. It says this. Bless the Lord, you his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments. Everybody say they do his commandments. And they hearken unto the voice of his word. So angels of God, they do what God says, they do commandments, and they listen to the word. Okay? Let's go to Matthew 26. Matthew 26. And we'll come back to Luke 1. So you might want to keep your place there. Matthew 26 and verse 53. This was Jesus and... uh, He um, he was before um, uh, Pilate, and uh, then Jesus said, 
Do you think that I cannot now pray to my father and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels? A legion is 6,000 men. So at a moment's notice, Jesus could have called 72,000 angels. Okay? And, uh, but he didn't do that because that wasn't God's plan or that wasn't God's will. But he had access to them. Amen? All right? Let's go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. I've never seen an angel, but I know that they're there. I'll tell you, actually, one time, um, I, you know, it was probably an angel, but I, was, uh, I, I wasn't married yet, and I was driving home uh, from school. I think it was from uh, Tennessee, and uh, I was on a break, and I was, I was going home, and I was traveling at night. And, uh, you know, sometimes you get a little tired. When you do things in the day and then you travel and it's nighttime and there's no one on the road. And uh, anyway, I don't know what happened, but I think I might have fallen asleep a little bit. And all of a sudden, I came, the car kind of just came to a screeching halt. There wasn't anybody on the road but uh, and there wasn't anybody coming. But thank God, that was probably an angel that helped me say, hey, dude, you need to wake up. All right. But that got my attention, let me tell you. And uh, prevented me from crashing. Hallelujah. Angels are good about that. All right. Uh, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 11. This was after uh, the temptation that Jesus overcame. And it said, then the devil leaves him, left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. What do you think they did? They probably fed him because he hadn't eaten for 40 days. Right? They ministered to him. Say they ministered to him. They gave Jesus some help after enduring a very trying time. You know, we go without food for a day and we get a little grumpy. Right? But Jesus fasted for 40 days. Plus, he went, underwent temptation. He's in the wilderness. He's by himself. And when that was done, God sent angels and they ministered to him because that's what they do. All right, this is what angels do. All right, go to Luke chapter 4 and verse 10. Luke 4 and verse 10. Hallelujah. And it says here, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. Did you know that you have a guardian angel? Amen. You have angels to guard you and to help you. So angels are given charge over you. All right. That's a, a quote from uh, Psalm uh, 91. Hallelujah. Okay. So let's go back to Luke 1. Right. Now the angel. He appeared to him. In a certain place and a certain location. Okay? The angel appeared standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Okay? So, um, he, you know, he just showed up. 
Zechariah was just lighting the incense and boom, there was an, he looked and there was an angel right there. Didn't hear a sound. The angel just showed up, said, hey, how's it going? All right. And uh, so the angel, he appeared in a holy place. He appeared standing at a holy altar. And he appeared in the holy of holies to bring a message of God to Zechariah. No devil, no demon, no evil spirit had access to this place. Nor could they enter this place. How many know there's some things that the devil can't go? Amen? He's been kicked out of the holy place. Through rebellion and sin and iniquity that was found in him. He fell to earth like lightning. Boom. Fast. Suddenly. He hit the ground with a thud. Jesus saw it. Hallelujah. So this angel... Now, if someone appears to you in a holy place representing heaven at a, at a holy thing, you know it's going to be from God. All right? Okay? There shouldn't, be, there shouldn't have been any doubt. All right? Um, a commentator uh, says at the right side or the south side between the altar and the candlestick. All right? Zechariah was on the south side of the altar while offering incense, okay? Um, According to Exodus 30, uh, verse 1, the Bible says this is a golden altar. It stood in the holy place before the veil that is by the ark of the testimony, all right? On this altar, sweet spices were continually burned with fire taken from the brazen altar, all right? And uh, so this altar was in the temple, and this is where Zach- this was Zachariah's area of service. Okay, so um, this angel comes suddenly, without notice, unexpectedly, and he's there to deliver a message. All right, verse twelve, and when Zachariah saw him. He was troubled, and notice what King James says, fear fell upon him. Fear fell upon him. I mean, we think angels. You know, we see these artistic renditions of angels, right? You, you know, these beings, and we think that they're sweet and pleasant. No, these are, are, are stunning creatures. These are are. are covered in the glory of God, all right? Some angels have been described as being very tall, very very big. They stand out. They're striking, okay? I mean, if you were seeing an angel, it wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, great, I saw it. No, I mean, it would stir up some emotion, amen? These angels are incredible creatures, okay? And so fear fell upon him. What do we know about fear? Fear is a spirit, right? We don't have a spirit of fear, but we have a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind, right? See, I have a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. I'm disciplined. Hallelujah. Okay? 
so this word fear is is the Greek word phobos. How many's ever heard of a word related to fear with phobia? Right? People have all kinds of phobia in the world, right? They have phobias. This is the Greek word fear. It means to flee or withdraw. It means uh, fleeing because of feeling inadequate or without sufficient resources. And uh, it means withdrawing from the Lord. And how many times did Jesus or an angel have to tell someone when they appeared not to be afraid? They had to deal with the fear. Okay? So, verse 12, the angel, you know, fear fells upon Zechariah. Verse 13, but the angel said unto him, fear not. He's got to deal with the fear because if you don't deal with the fear, you're going to miss the message. The fear will present you from getting the message that God wants you to hear or receiving the message that God says. You've got to deal with the fear. Say, I've got to deal with the fear. How do you deal with fear? Do you wish it away? Do you close your eyes and hope it'll go away? What do you need to do to deal with it? You've got to speak out the word of God. You've got to say, fear, go. You've got to come against fear with your words. If you want fear to leave your presence, you cannot put up with it. You've got to deal with it with your words quickly. When Josiah was young, probably around three or four, and uh, he would be afraid to get on the swing or to go to some of the uh, uh, attractions in the park, right? He'd be saying, I'm afraid. And so I would always say, okay, Josiah, here's what you do. Tell fear, say, fear, go in Jesus' name. So he, as they say it, He'd go, fear, go in Jesus' name. Now, every time he gets afraid, I say, what do you say? He goes, fear, go in Jesus' name. He has that look because I said it to him so many times. You've got to speak to fear. Every time there was fear present, Jesus said something. The angel said something. They spoke to the atmosphere. They put something else in the atmosphere so that fear will go. Okay? The angel said, fear not. Okay? Do not be afraid because your petition, your prayer is heard. How many would be grateful that God hears your prayer? Here is an angel coming from God's presence, appearing in a holy place, telling Zechariah, listen, God's heard your prayers. Your prayers have been heard. God hears your prayers. Say, God hears my prayers. Yeah, he really does. He's listening to you. Amen? And uh, so God, he said, uh, notice what he said, verse 13. Your wife Elizabeth shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. God already knew it was going to be a boy. He already had plans for the boy, and he already knew what he was going to be named. Can you say amen? God knew you before you were born. Hallelujah. And this was part of God's, God had a specific plan for John that was going to happen, okay? And, uh, you know, um, You speak to fear, get it out of the picture so that you can receive the word of God. 
Canceling fear is always followed by a message of good news. Every time Jesus canceled fear, he did something good, he said something good, because that, once fear is gone, then you can release the good thing in the atmosphere. Amen? Now, it doesn't take long for fear to go. Do not be afraid. Simple words, simple statement, right? Gone, boom, done. You don't have to do that for hours, okay? You can make fear go in one, one moment, right? The twinkling of an eye, the snap of a finger, right? Just speaking those words, speaking against fear. Let, let me just give you some examples. Matthew fourteen twenty seven, Jesus said, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid, okay? Good news, he tells the bad news to go and he releases the good news, Matthew 9, 2, Jesus said to the paralytic, do not be afraid, son, your sins are forgiven. He, he diminished fear and released the good news, right? Do not be afraid, your sins are forgiven, hallelujah, all right? Matthew 5, 36, do not be afraid, only keep on believing, right? Everybody say, keep on believing. Why, if, you, if you let fear linger, it'll hinder your believing, if you don't deal with fear, it's going to be hard for you to believe. You've got to deal with the fear factor. All right? Luke one thirty, the angel said to Mary, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Dealt with the fear, release the good news. Okay? Luke 2.10, the angel said to them, to the shepherds, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. Right? Canceled the, canceled the fear so he could release the three, three points of the good news. And then uh, John 14, 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. All right? So Zechariah should have known that this angel was from God. I mean, after all, he's serving as a priest. Wouldn't a priest know when, when God is doing something? Or wouldn't a priest know when God wants to say something? Unless you're Eli and your eyes are dim, which, which, which uh, reflected the spiritual condition of his heart back in the book of Samuel. All right? He should have expected God to hear him. But see, we don't know how long he and Elizabeth prayed for a child, but maybe some years passed and it never happened. Now discouragement is setting in. Now hopelessness is setting in. Abraham felt the same way. In Genesis 15, Abraham went to God and said, God, what are you going to give me seeing I go childless? In, in chapter 12, God said, I'm going to make you a father. In chapter 15, Abraham was doubting that was going to happen. He said, Eliezer, who's been born in my house, he's my heir. God said, he's not going to be your heir. Amen. Your heir is going to come from your own body. Let me take you outside and show you something. Right? Aren't you glad for God's encouragement? You know, God didn't dismiss Abraham for letting that doubt creep in. He worked with him. Amen? But Zechariah, maybe over the years, he got discouraged. Maybe he became dull in his spiritual senses. And he's not getting the picture that this is from God. Okay? And when we pray, we should pray in faith expecting God to do something. Amen? 
If you don't expect God to do something, don't pray yet. Right? Because prayer is pulling the trigger of power. You got to come in, you got to begin prayer in faith. That's why many people who prayed in the Bible, they began to exalt God. Tell, they, they began their prayers of saying how big God is. He's the creator. He's awesome. He's incredible. Why? That, that, that sets them up for success. Did you know the prodigal's father remained in a state of expectation of his son coming home? How do we know that? Because from a great distance far away, he knew that that was his son. How did he know that was his son without binoculars or a telescope or anything like that? Something on the inside was telling him that's his son. He remained in a state of expectation. He knew at some point his son was going to come back home. Amen? That's called keeping faith, staying in the faith. Say, keep, keep, say I'm going to keep my faith strong. Okay? So, the word, the word John means Jehovah is gracious. Okay? He is showing Zechariah and Elizabeth grace. What they've been praying for. Only God knew what they were praying for. I don't think that they shared this with anybody else. Although, they probably underwent some criticism and some, uh, some negative people, you know, when Hannah couldn't bear children, did, did, did uh, Elkanah's other wife give her problems? Oh, yeah, she gave Hannah so much grief. Like, she mocked Hannah because she was childless. And finally, Hannah got tired of the mocking. She said, I'm going to God, and I'm going to get a son. I'm going to get a child. Amen? Sometimes you just got to say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. We're going to change this right now. And Hannah went to God and things changed, didn't it? She had a son. She gave birth to a prophet, a powerful prophet who started to teach other people about being a prophet. He set up a school of prophets. His words never fell to the ground when he started out. And not to mention, after he was weaned, she sent him off to the temple and only saw him once a year. That takes faith. Hallelujah. Okay? Now, The angel is about to reveal John's purpose, okay? This is exciting news. What is the gospel? The gospel is what kind of news? It's good news. Everybody say good news, okay? This should have given Zechariah hope and excitement. And you shall have joy and gladness. Woo, glory to God. Say joy and gladness. I thought gladness was joy. No, they're two different things. Two different levels of joy. Amen? Do you remember, how many's ever seen the Christmas carol or heard the story, right? Scrooge, he said, I'm as giddy as a lark. Why? He experienced joy. Amen? Joy will affect you. It'll, it'll vibrate through your system and it'll, joy will, will, will move until it's expressed. The ultimate thing that joy wants to do is it wants to be expressed and shared. Share your joy. Don't keep it to yourself. You will have joy and gladness and many shall rejoice at his birth. Joy, gladness, and rejoicing. People are going to be rejoicing at this boy's birth. Okay? He shall be great 
in the sight of the Lord. And he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. That means wine or hard liquor. Okay? And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Because he needed to be filled with power for his purpose. Okay? And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord. He's going to bring revival. He's going to bring restoration. Okay? And he shall go before him, talking about the Lord Jesus, that's capital H, in the spirit and the power of Elijah. You know, John came out of the womb saying, these are the days of Elijah. Amen? And they turned out to be true. (laughs) To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Okay? So, these are awesome things that the angel is saying about John. All right? You know, God has a plan for you, and his plan for you is very real. He's had the plan in place ever since you were born. And if you're wondering, how come I'm not in that plan? Because you need to ask him what that plan is and start doing it. It's not too late. Do you realize God had a plan for Moses to be a deliverer? And when he was born, he was put in an ark and sent down the Nile picked up by Pharaoh's daughter, and he was raised in the palace of Egypt. He was raised to be a king. He knew warfare. He was educated. He wore the best clothes, but he wasn't doing God's purpose. Then he tried to do his purpose on his own, and he committed murder. He saw someone being oppressed. He wanted to do something about it. And he went about it his way, not God's way. So now God sent him to the backside of the desert for another 40 years. So now he's 80. Everybody say 80. 80. Moses didn't start doing his purpose God's way until he was 80. When he was on the backside of the wilderness and God got his attention by a burning bush that wasn't being consumed by the fire. Now he steps into his purpose as a deliverer. And he does it God's way, not his way. Everybody say 80. 80. Say, say, I've got time. Listen, your time better be right now. You don't need to wait to find out God's plan for your life. Okay? If God can send an angel to tell someone what the plan is about the boy, the Holy Spirit can speak to you. Amen? You have him living on the inside of you. You can ask him. Okay? So if you don't know what God's plan is for your life, you need to find that out and start doing it. Time is of the essence. Okay? He had a plan for you before you were born. Right? When he reveals his plan for you, you can do it till it's fulfilled and completed. I'm going to run this race till I get to the finish line. Amen? When is it a good time for a Christian to die? When you finish your course with joy. If you haven't finished your course with joy yet, don't die early. I just want to check out. No, not until you can finish your course with joy. All right? That's what Paul said. I I ran my race. I finished my course with joy. Okay? Every thought, every design, and every work of God is great. God said John's going to be great. Every thought, every design, and every work of God is great for you. 
Say, God's got great things for me. Okay, just like he did for John. He's no respecter of persons. Okay? Those who work God's plan and answer his call are distinguished, set apart above the rest. All right? The angel said that he's going to be great in the sight of the Lord. Hallelujah. All right? If God thinks you're great, you're great. He had a little bit of Tony Tiger the moment, right? You're great. Right? Frosted flakes. Say, I'm great. Because God made me great. Yeah, you're great. Amen? Don't ever take any opinion from anyone who says you're not. Because they're speaking from the liar. But this is from your father, your creator. Amen? So there's going to be joy and rejoicing, okay? And he was going to be... So uh, John was going to be filled with the Holy Spirit... From the womb, he was going to be empowered and influenced by the Holy Spirit. Okay, this word filled means filled to the maximum. All right? It means the full extent. It means filled to the limit. Uh, Filled to one's capacity. How's your capacity? Could you handle some more? It means full in quantity. That which is complete in itself because of the plentifulness hallelujah so see john needed power to be a forerunner his calling was to go before and to announce that jesus was coming to make a way for the king right we find his calling in isaiah chapter 40 we're not going to go there all right so the angel said that he was going to have uh power all right You need power to turn people's hearts. You need something besides you and your eloquence. Paul said, I don't rely on my eloquence, but I rely on the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. He said, your faith should stand in the power of God. Say, my faith is in God's power. Okay? You need power to turn a sinner to a saint. Did you know that God's in the manufacturing business? He takes the raw material of sinners and makes them saints. Say, I'm a saint. Good news about the gospel is you don't have to die to become a saint. The minute you accepted Jesus, you became a saint. Hallelujah. All right? You need power to promote repentance. Right? Listen, a police officer doesn't have the natural strength in himself to stop a vehicle. But when he puts his hand up, the authority that he operates under has the power that's backing him up. What does, what does that happen? He's able to stop a vehicle by putting his hand, even though he doesn't have the natural strength. Amen? If you're going to promote repentance, you've got to have some power working in people's hearts. John was going to pr- promote repentance to turn hearts, wasn't he? Okay. You need power to preach the gospel. Thank God for power. Jesus said he was anointed to preach the gospel. He was empowered to preach the gospel. Amen? God help people if they preach without power. We need need power behind preaching. Amen? It's a powerful message and it's a powerful truth that produces powerful results. Hallelujah. 
We have to have faith in God's power. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, the good news of Christ, because it's the power of God and the salvation to everyone who believes. Say to everyone. Yeah, anyone, anywhere can believe this and have it work for them. Okay? All right. So he was going to be like Elijah. Okay? Here's what the Bible says. Go to Malachi chapter 4. Malachi, or if you like happy days, Malachi. Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. The prophet said this, Behold, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. All right? Malachi, or go to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 14. Look at what Jesus said. This is Jesus talking here. He said, and if you will receive it, this is Elijah, which was for to come. He was describing John as being Elijah. Okay. Um, So how was John like Elijah? John lived like Elijah. Both were solitary individuals. Both lived in the wilderness. Okay. Uh, So he was like Elijah in a solitary life. He dressed like Elijah. Camel's hair. Right. And locusts and honey. Would you like some locusts and honey cake? I just made it fresh for you today. I got it from the wilderness. Right? So John was like Elijah. He preached like Elijah. He had Elijah's fire. Right? What did Elijah do? He confronted prophets of Baal. He confronted idolatry. And he changed the nation. Okay? So John preached like Elijah. John confronted evil and wickedness like Elijah. Elijah confronted Ahab, the wicked king, and John confronted Herod about his relationship with his brother's wife. And both got him into trouble. They both got into trouble with the kings. When you confront evil, evil's not just going to say, okay. All right? John was like Elijah in that he turned Israel from Baal to God. And John turned Israel from sin to faith, from disobedience to righteousness. Amen? John was sent before the Savior to introduce the Savior. That's why it's important he's attached to the birth of Jesus. This is Jesus' cousin. John is six months older than his cousin Jesus. Because Mary and Elizabeth were cousins. Hallelujah. When a people and a generation are not ready for God or his move, God will send a man with power to get them ready. Amen? Israel needed someone with some power to come on the scene to get things ready for the Messiah. And guess what? The ministry of John is going to continue because Jesus is coming again, isn't he? There's going to be another Elijah coming before Jesus comes again. And he's going to get the people ready. He's going to confront evil. He's going to preach with fire. He's going to have some passion. This is what God does. This is what he promised. All right? This ministry is still going on. 
Okay? So the angel, he spoke of heavenly things. He spoke of joy, delight, rejoicing, great and distinguished in God's sight, avoiding worldly stimulants, filled with Holy Ghost power, turning people to the Lord, uh, a forerunner of Jesus in the spirit and power of Elijah, turning the disobedient to the righteous, making a people ready for the Lord. All these are heaven things. Amen? This is the language of heaven. This is the work of heaven. This is what heaven wants to accomplish on the earth and in our lives. Hallelujah. So believers should be able to recognize when something comes from heaven. When God is working. When God is speaking. When God is doing. Amen? We ought to be able to distinguish between what's heavenly and what's earthly. Right? Colossians says we need to set our mind on things above, not on things beneath. So depending on what your mind is set on, that'll help you discern what's going on. All right? Everything from heaven should be believed, received, accepted, welcomed, and acted on. And carried out and done. Let me say that again. Everything from heaven. Is heaven a good place? Who dwells in heaven? That's where God dwells, right? Is there any darkness in heaven? Is there any sorrow in heaven? Is there any bad news in heaven? There's no bad headline in heaven. If you get heaven's newspaper, you'll never get a bad news article. It'll all be good news. Amen? So everything from heaven must be believed. Everything from heaven must be received. Everything from heaven should be accepted. I should say should instead of must because not everybody accepts things from heaven. We're going to see this here in just a minute. Everything from heaven should be welcomed. Hallelujah. I got a message from heaven. Glory to God. You should wake up tomorrow and read a scripture and say, God, guess what God spoke to me. Guess what God said to me. We ought to get excited about things from heaven should be welcomed, and it should be acted on. And it should be carried out till it's completed. Okay? Let's go back to Luke 1. Are you having fun? I am. Zach, Luke chapter 1, verse 18. And Zechariah said unto the angel... Did you know the angel can talk to you and you can talk to angels? Whereby shall I know this? Uh Uh-oh. For I am an old man and my wife is well stricken in years. Okay? The New Living Translation says... How can I be sure this will happen? The English Standard Version says, How shall I know this? The Contemporary English Version says, How will I know this is going to happen? Did you know that you can't believe something you're uncertain of? Believing requires a certain level of knowing. Okay? You can't believe what you are uncertain of. You can't believe what you do not know. 
Can you use your keys if you can't find them? Can you pay a bill if you forgot your wallet or your money at home? That happened to me the other day. I was going to take Gabriel or Josiah to get something to eat. And I was like, oh, man, I left my wallet and my other coat. We got to go home. (laughs) Maybe that was God saying. (laughs) So you can't believe what you don't know. If someone doesn't know that they're forgiven, can they receive forgiveness? No. They have to know that they're forgiven in order to receive it. Amen? Zechariah was telling the angel, I don't know. The Greek word is gnosko. To come to know, recognize, perceive. I'm taking in knowledge. I come, I'm, I'm ascertained, I realized, through personal experience. Okay? To know a person. Now, Mary, when the angel said to her what was going to happen to her, she didn't say, I don't know. She said, I don't know how. She said, she, her, she wasn't questioning the knowledge. She was questioning how it was going to come about. Mary only knew one way to have a baby, and that's to know a man. And if you don't know a man, how's this going to happen? Right? If you only know one way to have a baby, and you're supposed to be having a baby, and you don't, you don't do the other part, how's this going to happen? That's a good question. She didn't question the no. She questioned the how. Zechariah questioned the no. How can I know this? I don't know this. I'm not familiar with this. I'm not certain. You know, faith is assurance. Faith is certain. Faith is on a firm foundation. Faith is evidence. Faith is not uncertain. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. That's not faith. That's a double mind. Okay? So, the angel, he explained, he just was there to deliver the message, but the angel couldn't help Zechariah believe. You know, the one delivering the message can't make you believe the message. You've got, that's up to you. Here was, here was, here was Gabriel. And look at what Gabriel said in verse 19. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel. I'm the hero of God. (laughs) Hallelujah. He said, and I stand in the presence of God. Revelation 8.2 says there are seven angels that stand in God's presence. You know, to stand in the presence of a king means you had a position of authority means you, you, the king could command you to do something and you would do it. To stand in the presence of God is to be an honor. Amen? Gabriel was a ready servant to do whatever God said do, to go wherever God said go, and to say whatever God said say. He stood in the presence of God. Come on, somebody. And I am sent to speak unto you and to show you these glad tidings. Was there any bad news that he delivered? No. You should be excited about good news. There was no bad news that the angel Gabriel was communicating to Zechariah. It was all good news. It was good things. It, It should have sparked something on the inside of Zechariah. But I don't know. I don't, I just don't know. Which way do I go? I just don't know. 
I don't know. I don't know. Okay? Let me read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting with verse 13. Listen to this. Yet we having the same spirit of faith as he had who wrote in Scripture, I believe, therefore I speak. We also believe, therefore we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise uh Raise us with Jesus will present us to you in his presence. Notice there's a knowing. There's an assurance. He said, I know that Jesus is raised from the dead. Therefore, I'm going to be raised from the dead. There's confidence. When you know it, it produces confidence. Faith is confidence in God. Did Zechariah have to do something? No. It was already in place he was just delivering the message. Gabriel was just delivering the message. Okay? How can people believe unless there's a preacher? How can they preach unless they're sent? God had to send someone to Zechariah to communicate the message. Amen? So Mary believed the message. She just didn't know how it happened. Zechariah could not embrace the possibility because of his and Elizabeth's age. He couldn't embrace what God was saying because the natural was speaking so loudly. He was more naturally minded than he was spiritually minded. Okay? The age factor kept Zechariah from knowing, accepting, receiving, believing a divine message. Focusing on natural limitations hinders faith. Faith is not natural, it's supernatural. It goes above the natural. I can't do this because of my natural limitation. But if God said I can do it, I can do it because I'm going above the natural. Say, it's time to go above. Hallelujah. All right? Focusing on the natural limitations, it prevents you from having what God promised and that he already gave to you. All right? Now, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were righteous. They were serving God. You know, why do bad things happen to good people? Because they're not doing it by faith. You can't rely on your good works. You can't say, God, because I'm a good person. That means nothing. But you can say, I can do it by faith. What pleases God, good works or faith? It's impossible to please God without good works? No, it's impossible to please God without faith. Good works has nothing to do with it. Being a good person has nothing to do with it. Zechariah could have said, but I'm a good person. I'm serving God. I'm working in the church. He could have said that. But it wouldn't have meant anything. Here, an angel from God's presence has been sent to you, speaking to you good news. You either accept it or not. How many remember the show, Ripley's Believe It or Not? Believe it or not. Right? They show these strange things that people could do or whatever. I used to watch that show a lot. Hallelujah. Okay? So Gabriel was a special messenger of good news. His news helps people and reveals God's will. Gabriel came from God's presence, right? He announced the birth of his son 
And uh, um, Zechariah heard what the angel said, but he didn't, but his unbelief spoke. And he, as a result, he was struck dumb. He couldn't talk, okay? Because he, he objected against God's word, all right? Verse 20, Luke chapter 1, verse 20, And behold, you shall be dumb. That just means you can't speak. Had nothing to do with intelligence. Okay? Now, on the other hand, there was a, an evil spirit that prevented a person from speaking, and the Bible says he cast the spirit out and it was dumb. That's, that has to do with intelligence. No, just kidding. Behold, you shall be dumb and not able to speak until the day these things shall be performed. Okay? He was only, he only couldn't speak for a season. Nine months. Okay? Until the, listen, God had to get his forerunner in the earth, and if someone was speaking, especially the father speaking doubt and unbelief, it would have hindered the promise. What is it about our mouths that would help or hinder us in receiving from God? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Your mouth contains life or death. You are either speaking life or death. And now every day, all day long, not just in church. This is everyday conversations. How are we using our mouths? What words are we saying? What are we allowing to come out of our mouths? Our mouths have a lot to do with how faith works. Believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead and confess with your mouth, amen, that he is Lord. What happens when you confess him as, as Lord? Salvation comes to you. Because when you speak that kind of word, it brings salvation to you. Amen? amen? amen. Say, my mouth is important. Mouth. Now, why doesn't God just shut all of our mouths? Because there would be no communication. He had to do this in this particular instance, but that's not his normal thing. God is not responsible. Who's responsible for your mouth? I am, right? I'm not responsible for your mouth. You're not responsible for my mouth. We're responsible for our own mouths. Zechariah was not in faith. He was not believing the message. It was not the angel's job to convince him. It was only the angel's job to tell him what the message was. You know, I mean, Gabriel could have got him in a headlock. It says, Zechariah, you're going to believe this message. Okay, okay. No, that's not how God works. Amen. Aren't you glad that's not how God works? Hallelujah. All right. So, he, was, he wasn't able to uh, speak, all right? And, uh, and the people, verse 21, the people waited for Zechariah and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. It shouldn't have taken him this long to do the incense, okay? Man, Pastor Doug, it shouldn't take you this long to finish this message. 
<laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> and when he came out, verse 22, he could not speak unto them. And they perceived that he had had a vision in the temple. Now, these people were more spiritually in tune than he was. He come out and couldn't speak. Oh, he must have had a vision. They were more in tune to spiritual things than he was. And he had the angel appear to him. Amen? They, they perceived by the fact that he couldn't speak that he had a vision. Hallelujah. Well, of course, they were praying. <laughs> and so he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. Okay? Elizabeth said, John, you're so quiet today. (laughs) And it came to pass as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished. Everybody say, were accomplished. Just because he couldn't talk, he didn't stop serving the Lord. He didn't get offended. I can't believe that God would do this to me. He kept serving his time. Until his time was done. Then he went home. And he didn't have much to say. So Elizabeth made him his favorite dinner. Right? She says, oh, John, I just love you. And the the rest is history. And that night, John was conceived. Amen? And uh, go down to um, verse uh, 64. Or no, uh, 59. Let's go down to verse 59. And it came to pass on the eighth day. The eighth day is the day of new beginnings. It's the day that uh, they would circumcise a child. They came to circumcise the child, and they called him Zechariah after the name of his father. And his mother answered and said, No, Not so, but he shall be called. Everybody say, thank God for Elizabeth. John couldn't, I mean, John couldn't disagree. He couldn't say anything. Right? I mean, Zechariah, yeah, thank you. Elizabeth spoke up. Why? She believed. Those who believe, speak. Those who don't believe, be quiet. Say, when I believe, I speak. When I don't believe... I'm silent till I believe. Okay? So she spoke up. He, she, he, he'll be called John. That's a strong woman taking a bold step. This was, this was out of the ordinary. This had never been done before. You're naming a kid not after your family line. This is incredible. This is marvelous. This is wonderful. All right? And they said unto her, there is none of your kindred that is called by this name. God's doing a new thing. Hallelujah. He's about time to do something new in the earth. Glory to God. Are you ready for God to do something new? Are you tired of the same old, same old? Let God do something new. Well, if it's never been done before, so what? Does that mean it can't be done? God is a creator. Let him create. Let him make something new. Let him use a new color. Let him use a new word. Amen? Let him move in a new way. Glory to God. And they made signs to his father 
how he would have him be called. Verse 63, and he asked for a writing table, and he wrote. Everybody say, he wrote. You know, there's a power in writing. Write the vision, make it plain so that when you see it, you can run with it. What did God write? He wrote a book about who he is, where we came from, how we got here, and where we're going. God's a writer, right? So he wrote, because he couldn't speak, so he had to write, saying, his name shall be John, and they marveled all. And his mouth was open. Finally, John gets, or Zechariah gets in faith, and he's able to speak with faith, with certainty, with knowledge. He had nine months to think about it. That's the grace of God. For those nine months, I could see Zechariah saying, oh, I wish I'd have believed the first day. You know? He couldn't talk to his friends. He couldn't talk to Elizabeth. You know, he was silent for nine months. But now he speaks in faith, and his mouth is released. Notice what happens. His mouth was opened immediately. Everybody say immediately. The moment you get in faith, immediately comes. And his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak. And what was the first thing he said? He praised God. He didn't, he didn't say about how it was when he was silent. The first things out of his mouth after nine months of being silent was praising God. He had a whole new perspective. He had a whole new outlook. Amen? And fear came upon all that dwelt round about them, and all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What manner of child this shall be? They're rejoicing. There's great joy. He's going to be great, right? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Hallelujah. And the Zechariah, his father Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Ghost. What happens when you're filled with the Holy Ghost? Things come out of your mouth. He began to speak. Hallelujah. See, when you're in faith, the Holy Spirit likes faith. Amen? This only happened when he got in faith, not when he wasn't in faith. Can you see that? Hallelujah. This is a good lesson on faith. Amen? And he began to prophesy about John and about Jesus and what was going to happen. Hallelujah. And the story continues. Stay tuned to the VCF channel. And find out next week what happens in the Christmas story of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. What what things are God going to show us and teach us out of this story? This is part of the Christmas story. Amen. See, when when God wants to do something in the earth and he already has it set, anything going against him will be rejected and opposed by God. And that's kind of what was happening. God had already planned this. It it already was going to happen. It was, you know, uh, and he just didn't need the interference of the negative speech interfering with the plan. Okay? So he did this in this particular instance. All right? But he's given us the strength to keep our own mouths shut when they need to be shut and open when they need to be open. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Amen? If you're too swift to speak, how many know 
has ever spoken too swiftly, you said things you didn't want to say, right? You, you said things you wish you could have taken back, but you've already said them. You can't get them back right now. That's because we didn't take the time to, to, to be swift to hear and slow to speak. I mean, sometimes, listen, we, we, we can't speak out of anger. I, I, you know, I've done it, you know, that, that flesh kind of gets in the way of things sometimes. And, and we do things out of anger. But when we do things out of anger, it never works for our benefit. Amen? Now, now Jesus got angry about uh, the temple being used for what it shouldn't have been used for. And uh, he did something about it. Right? He, he overturned tables. He drove them out. And uh, oh, I thought he was just peaceful, loving. No. He's also a God of judgment. Amen? But say, I'm a person of faith. Say, I believe God. When God speaks to you or when you hear a message from God or when you hear a message from heaven, it could come through a person. It could come through a donkey. How many know Balaam heard a message from heaven through a donkey? That saved his life, didn't it? Why? He couldn't hear anybody else at the time. He certainly wasn't listening to God. When, God, when the very first response that God said to him, don't go. But he kept playing. He kept playing with it. He kept toying with it. He kept entertaining it. All right. Listen. When God speaks, you believe. You, you make it. Make a decision in your heart right now that when He says something to you, you're going to do it. You're going to accept it. You're going to receive it. Amen. God is the final authority. He's the highest court in the land. Right. He is the most high God. And he never says anything to harm you or to hurt you, but it's always to help you, to bless you, to direct you, to lead you, to guide you. But he, he, will, he will initiate judgment if he has to. But it takes a long time, it takes a lot of mercy before judgment comes. If you've been given mercy, don't, don't disrespect the mercy that you've been given. God's extending you mercy so that you can make a change in your life, so that you can make a decision for God, so that you can surrender to what God wants you to do and what he wants you to be and what he wants you uh, to uh, carry out. Amen? And you might be rejecting it, rejecting it, rejecting it. Speak to the hand. Listen, God's not giving up on you. But there comes a point in time where you're either going to accept it or you're going to be judged. And that's in God's word. Amen? People who reject the word, they'll be judged by the word. Hallelujah. It's time for us to raise the standard in our homes, in our lives, in our community, and definitely in this country. Amen? Why don't you stand to your feet? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're committed to God... You're committed to following his plan for your life. You're committed to doing his will, no matter what, no matter how it looks like. Then I just want you to start praising God and declaring that you're going to be that person. You're going to do God's will. You're going to get involved in his things. You're going to do his work. You're going to carry his name. And whatever he has assigned you to do, there's, you know, there's so many different callings. The pulpit is just one calling. But God's called you to do things. He's gifted you to do things. Just do it in honor of God. Amen? 
Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Someone say praise the Lord. Someone say God is good. Are you excited about this story? Hallelujah. Good opportunity next week to bring someone with you. Amen. We're just going to say, just come on and hear the story of Christmas, the, the Christmas story of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Have an awesome, fantastic, wonderful, outstanding, excellent week. Glory to God. Amen.